0: Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful word of the Lord. Amen. Today we're looking at the book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. The book of 2 Peter chapter number 1. We're going to be reading verses number 10 and 11. The Bible says, Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. Say sure. For if you do these things, you will never stumble, for so an entrance will be supplied to you abundantly into the everlasting kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you for your powerful, life-changing, miraculous word. I pray that your word will go forth today in demonstration and in power, Lord, let the a messenger, be anointed by the Holy Spirit today. God, I pray that you will do your work. Holy Spirit, do your work of conviction today. Father, all of these things we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. You can be reseated this morning. Well, I have a question that I want to ask you this morning, and and it is the most important question that you will ever answer in your life. And and the question I have for you this morning is the question, are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure of your salvation? You see, far too many people are not. I've had people, you know, when I ask them, are you saved? I've had them say, well, I hope I am. Well, I think I am. Well, I'm not sure. Well, well, I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Now, I don't know about you this morning, but I believe that our salvation is far too important to be unsure of. Now, I can speak for myself, but I think I'm probably speaking for a lot of you in this first service for sure this morning. And that is, I grew up in a very legalistic church. In the church that I grew up in, it was all about rules and regulations. It was all about do's and don'ts. It was all about cans and can'ts and mostly can'ts. Now, it's ironic that Amazing Grace was the favorite hymn of the church. But grace was the last thing that was ever preached or practiced. Not only did they preach against eternal security, they, they seemed to be for eternal insecurity. Now, hear me clearly this morning. I, I, I certainly do not personally believe in unconditional eternal security. But I do believe that we can be secure in our salvation. I do believe we can be sure about our eternal destiny. Now, you might be thinking, well, pastor, what makes us sure? Well, I say thanks for asking. That makes it a whole lot easier for me to preach this morning. Well, I want to suggest five things that will help us know for sure that we are saved. How many want to know for sure? You want to know for sure? Amen. Amen. Well, I believe the first thing that helps us to know that we, to know for sure of our salvation, that is number one, our conviction, our conviction in John chapter 16 and verse number eight, it says that the Holy spirit convicts man of sin. So, so our salvation, our salvation experience begins with conviction. Would you agree with that this morning? Uh, The Bible says in the book of Acts, in the book of Acts, chapter number two, verse 36 through 38, the Bible says, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now when they had heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. So our salvation begins with conviction. Notice the phrase, notice the phrase, they were were cut to the heart. See, see the Holy Spirit knows how to soften our sin-hardened hearts and convict us of our wickedness and how to draw us to Jesus. See, without the conviction of the Holy Spirit, we wouldn't even realize our need of salvation. We wouldn't even have a desire for change. Now, sometimes people think of Holy Spirit conviction as something negative. They talk about being convicted of the Holy Spirit and they use a negative connotation. But in reality, it is a very positive thing. It definitely can lead to a positive Result, but not only does our salvation experience begin with conviction, but but the Holy Spirit continues to convict the saints when they sin. Let me ask you this morning: have, have you ever been convicted by the Holy Spirit for your actions in a particular area? I don't know, perhaps you were looking at something that you ought not be looking at. Or maybe you were doing something that you should not be doing. Or perhaps you were saying something that you shouldn't be saying. Or maybe you were going somewhere that you had no business going. Your actions were outside the boundaries of what God's Word teaches. And the Holy Spirit made you feel uneasy. The Holy Spirit made you feel uncomfortable. Or if you continued down that road, he made you feel downright miserable. Has this ever happened to you? Has the Holy Spirit ever convicted you about your actions? Did you know this is a good thing? It's a good thing. Do you realize that Holy Spirit conviction actually helps us be sure of our salvation. You see, the fact that the Holy Spirit is convicting us lets us know that that we still belong to God and that we do not belong to the enemy. It also lets us know how much God loves us. The Bible says in Revelation chapter 3 and verse 19, Jesus said, Those I love, I rebuke and chasten. So Holy Spirit conviction helps us Be sure of our salvation. What makes us sure? What helps us to know beyond the shadow of a doubt that we are saved? First of all, our conviction. Second thing that helps us be sure about our salvation is our confession. Our confession. Romans chapter 10 verse 9 and 10 says, If you confess with your mouth... The Lord Jesus Christ, and you believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. So, according to the scripture, it takes two things to secure our salvation. It it requires faith in the heart and a confession of that faith from the mouth. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse number 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. Once again, two requirements for salvation. First of all, salvation requires God's grace. But God's grace alone is not enough to save us. It also requires man's faith. For by grace you have been saved through faith. We need to understand what grace is. Grace is God giving us what we do not deserve. Grace is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And the evidence of God's grace is Jesus Christ hanging on the cross. And according unto scripture, it takes our confession that Jesus, God's example of grace, paid the price for our salvation. So, when we place our faith in God's grace for our salvation, this confession helps us be sure yes. that we're saved. Yes, amen. Understand this this morning. That is, true saints confess Jesus as Lord. Correct. True saints confess faith in God's grace. So, if you have done this, it should ma- help make you sure of your salvation. I'm asking the question today, are you sure? What makes us sure? How can we know that we know that we know that we are saved? Giving you five, five ways. First of all, through our conviction. Second of all, through our confession. And number three this morning, through our conduct. Yes. Yes. Amen. Pastor, are you going to take us back into legalism? Absolutely not. Please hear clearly. If you don't listen to the other points, please listen to this point. And listen very clearly and hear everything I'm saying and nothing I'm not saying. (laughs) (laughs) Write this down this morning. We we don't live right in order to be saved. We don't live right in order to be saved but as proof that we are. Yes, amen. Amen. That's right. Second Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17 says, If anyone is in Christ, say in Christ. In Christ. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Say new. new. He is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Say old passed away. Old things have passed away. Behold all things. Say all things. All things. Some things. A few things. Behold, all things have become new. And then notice what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7. In Matthew chapter 7, verse 16 through 20, Jesus said, you will know them by their fruits. He asked the question. He said, do men gather grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Even so, every good tree bears good fruit, and every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good, tree, a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Therefore, by your fruits, you will know them. So according to Scripture, not only according to Scripture, but according to Jesus, our conduct reveals whose we are. Somebody said if it looks like a duck, if it quacks like a duck, if it waddles like a duck, it's probably a duck. God's word says that if we look like the world, if we act like the world, if we think like the world, we're of the world. If we are in Christ, If Christ is in us, then we're going to begin to take on the attributes of Christ. It's a natural byproduct of our salvation. Again, not doing good works in order to be saved, but doing good works, becoming good, becoming holy, becoming righteous because we are saved. Just a natural byproduct that comes along with salvation. Jesus said that the specific type of fruit will determine which tree that it came from. That's right. yes. Let me ask you this this morning. What makes an apple tree ap- an apple tree? It has apples growing on it, right? If it has pears growing on it, is it an apple tree? It might say it's an apple tree, but if it, but if it doesn't have apples growing on it, it's not an apple tree. What makes a peach tree a peach tree? It has the fruit of peaches growing from the tree. If it has apples coming from that tree, is it a peach tree? Even if it says it's a peach tree? Even if it wants to be a peach tree? No, it's a peach tree because peaches are coming from... The tree, amen. There's a lot of people that say they're in Christ. There's a lot of people that say they're saved. There's a lot of people that says their life is right with God, but their fruit doesn't bear witness to it. And I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be ugly. This morning, I'm just simply telling you what the word of the Lord says because I want to make sure that you know what it takes to be saved. I want you to know what proves whether you're saved or not. And one thing that proves whether we're saved or not is what kind of fruit is coming from our life. I want to say it again because I want you to hear what I'm saying. Again, let me me be clear. Our conduct, listen, listen to this. Our conduct doesn't save us or damn us. Sin sends people to hell. No, sin doesn't send people to hell. What sends people to hell is their rejection of a Savior. If sin kept people from going to heaven, nobody would go to heaven because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We don't go to heaven because we are sinless. We go to heaven because we've got a Savior. Yes, yes, yes. Amen. Please hear what I'm saying and don't hear what I'm not saying. Our conduct reveals, it shows, it proves who we are or whose we are, is what I meant to say. It proves who we belong to. Our conduct is the fruit that proves which tree we're from. So, if we practice sin, we are of our father, the devil. Now, understand the what I said. If we practice, say practice. Some of you don't even have to practice. You're just so good at it. (laughs) If we practice sin, if we live a lifestyle of sin, we are of our father, the devil. If we practice righteousness, we are of the heavenly father because because it's plain and simple. Sinners sin. That's what they do. It comes natural to them. They are sinners. Sinners sin. Saints don't practice sin. Saints don't live a lifestyle of sin. Sin, Saints don't, did I say saints there? I meant to. I'll say it again to make sure I'm saying it right. Sinners sin. Saints don't practice sin. Saints don't live in sin. Saints don't continue in sin. Now, hear me clearly this morning. I'm not saying that, that saints never sin. I'm not preaching Christian perfection. The godliest of saints fall far short. And if you've been around here for a while and you don't know what your, you know, your, your shortcomings are, just come here and I'll tell you what they are. I, I can tell you. Come on. Yeah, the best saints I got. And if you've been around here very long, you know what mine are. And some of you like to tell me. It's okay. It's okay. I'm not not talking about about Christian perfection. The godliest of saints fall far short. But they don't practice sin. They don't live in sin. They don't continue in sin. They don't continue in known sin. They're continually striving to please the Lord with their conduct. But oh, far, far, far more than this. Listen, here's what I really want you to hear this morning. And that is the Holy Spirit that resides within them. Oh, oh, He helps guide them. He helps direct them. He helps steer them away from sin. And helps steer them toward the Savior. The Holy Spirit, He is within them. Changing them from the inside out. He helps purify them. And helps purge From their lives, the things that displease their Lord. He takes away their old sinful desires and he replaces them with spiritual or godly desires. It's a process the Bible talks about, calls it sanctification. But understand that sanctification is a never-ending, ongoing, daily process. Romans 12 and 2 says, Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. But let God transform you. I'm telling you this morning, there's no way you can pull yourself up by your own bootstraps. I'm telling you, there's no way that you can self-talk yourself into living the way you ought to live. I'm telling you, the only way that you're going to live a righteous and a holy life and a life that's going to be pleasing to God, the only way that's going to happen is if you allow the Holy Spirit to transform you from the inside out. And when He does a work on the inside, a genuine supernatural work on the inside, then it will automatically show up up on the outside, right. Right. Romans twelve and two again. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God say, God, God, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And Paul writes in Ephesians four verses twenty two through twenty four. He says, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, say instead, instead Instead, let the Spirit, say Spirit, instead let the Spirit renew, say renew, instead let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes, put on your new nature, created to be like God, totally righteous and holy. So according unto Scripture, people that have been genuinely saved receive a new nature. They have new desires. Oh, this new nature and change and desire automatically creates a chain reaction that includes a new behavior. Conduct begins to change. Conversation begins to Change. lifestyle begins to change. Again, I'm not talking about pulling oneself up by his own bootstraps. I'm not talking about taking yourself by the nap of the neck and making yourself change your behavior. I'm talking about a supernatural process that begins to take place. The Holy Spirit changing us on the inside, which automatically begins to change our behavior on the outside. Romans 8 and 29 says, God called us to become conformed to the image of his dear son. See, see just as a natural son will begin to take on some of the attributes and some of the traits and some of the, of the mannerisms of his earthly father, my son told me a while back, he said, Dad, he said, I don't remember what I was doing, but the other day I was doing something. He said, I realized what I was doing. He said, oh no, that's my dad. I'm becoming my dad. Just as a natural son will take on some of the attributes, some of the traits, some of the mannerisms of his earthly father, even looking like him. I, I never thought I looked like my father. I've always been told all my life I look like my mother. But the older I get, the more I look like my father. And I'll be looking in the mirror, shaving or brushing my teeth or something, and I'll see my dad in there. Some time ago, my oldest brother was sitting in my office, and he looked up at me, and he goes, I mean, he did like that, he, like that. And he said, man, you look like dad. I never thought you looked like dad, but you look like Dad. Just as a natural son will take on some of the attributes, some of the traits, some of the mannerisms of their earthly father even began to look like him, so God's spiritual sons and daughters should take on the attributes of their heavenly father. Some time ago, I was, I was at Top and, and and a man that I had never met before. I didn't know him and he didn't know me. He had never met me. We met for the very first time there at top golf but he came over over to me and he said to me he said you have to be pastor Chad Benson's dad. He said when I saw you over there I said to myself that's the upscale model of pastor Chad. <laughs> that's not what he said. He said, I looked over at you and I said, that's the older version of Pastor Chad right there. It's got to be. And so he walked right up to me. I didn't know who he was. He didn't know who I was. He said, you have got to be Pastor Chad's dad. What, what makes us sure of our salvation? Part, not all, but part of the answer is our conduct. A change has taken place in our conduct. It's a natural byproduct. We began to look more and more like Jesus. As God changes us on the inside, it automatically starts changing us on the outside. Our desires change. Our attitude changes. We don't want what we used to want. We don't fit in with the old crowd anymore. And it's not always that we don't want them. It's they don't want us. Certain behaviors begin to bother us and begin to make us feel uncomfortable. Now listen, we will still struggle with with sin. We will still struggle with temptation, but we won't be able to sin without feeling guilty. We begin to desire a new environment. We begin to to desire a new atmosphere. Listen, remember, please remember that this is all an ongoing process And we were all at different stages in the process, so do not judge somebody else who's at a different stage than you are. Jesus said, you're pointing out the splinter in your brother's eye, but you got a four-by-four coming out of yours. Jesus said that I didn't. I'm too sweet for that. Hey, you don't need me up here this morning giving you a list of do's and don'ts. If I do give you do's and don'ts, it'll be the list of do's and don'ts, the absolutes that's found in Scripture. But you don't need me up here giving you all a list of do's and don'ts. You've got God's Word to instruct you, so you need to read it and you need to obey it. You have the Holy Spirit that lives on the inside of you to guide you, so be sensitive to the leadership of the Holy Spirit. What makes us sure of our salvation, our conduct, is a clue for us. I like what somebody said. Somebody said I'm not what I ought to be and I'm not what I want to be, but thank God I'm not what I used to be. Only the Holy Spirit can change our conduct. Even just our desire to change is proof of God's Holy Spirit residing in us. See, I want you to be sure of your salvation. I don't want you struggling with eternal insecurity. And some of you do that because I see the same hand go up every single Sunday for salvation sometimes. And I'd rather oversave you than undersave you, and it's okay, just go ahead. But I'm trying to give you some security in your salvation. What makes us sure? Well, our conviction makes us sure, our confession makes us sure, our conduct makes us sure. Number four, our confirmation. Our confirmation, Romans chapter 8 and verse 16 says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And Psalm 145 and verse 18 says, The Lord is near to all who call on Him, to all who call upon Him in truth. And James chapter 4 and verse number 8 says, That if we will draw nigh to God, He will draw nigh to us. What makes us sure of our salvation? Our confirmation. The Holy Spirit confirms our salvation by his presence. Now please understand this morning that we walk by faith and not by feelings. Feelings are fickle. Feelings can lie to you. Feelings can mislead you. Salvation has nothing to do with how our emotions react. And since women are emotional beings and men are logical beings, most women will react to salvation with more emotion than most men will. So let let me just help the guys out, and I'm hoping I'll help the ladies out too. Just because your husband doesn't react to the Holy Spirit the way that you react to the Holy Spirit, that doesn't make you more spiritual or him less spiritual. Our reaction emotionally has absolutely nothing to do with our spirituality. Whether you fall down when somebody prays for you, you don't fall down. Whether you shake or tremble or nothing happens, amen, it has nothing to do with your spirituality. Thank God for emotions and I love it when God, man, I I like it when he gives me, you know, those goosebumps on the back so big you could hang a hat on them. And I'm going to tell you that the longer I live for God, the less goosebumps I have. had a whole lot more goosebumps when I was a teenager than I do right now. I, you know, I had more feelings than, than I do now. Listen, listen, we don't walk by feelings, we walk by faith. But all of that being said, there is still a confirmation, amen, that we can expect the Holy Spirit bearing witness with our spirit that we belong to God. Let me just tell you this morning that no one will ever be able to convince me there's not a God. No one will ever be able to convince me there's not a God. No one will ever be able to convince me that I'm not saved. Listen, you might have an argument, but I have an experience. See, he confirms our our relationship by his presence in my life. He walks with me. He talks with me. He he reveals his presence to me. Oh, yes, my emotions and my feelings ebb and flow. But deep inside my heart, I have a confirmation of my salvation as the Holy Spirit bears witness with my spirit. The Holy Spirit confirms my salvation by his presence. Fifthly and finally this morning, what makes us sure of our salvation. And that is our confidence. Yeah, amen. Our confidence. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse number 12 says. Because of Christ. Say Christ. Christ. Because of Christ and our faith in him. Yeah. We can now come boldly and with confidence. Say with confidence. Into God's presence. Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 6 says we should remain confident in our hope in Christ. And verse 14 said we should hold on to our confidence to the end. Now please understand this this morning. Not confident in what we can do to earn our salvation but in what he has done for us. See, I have very little confidence in myself when it comes to being able to become good enough to merit heaven. This is why I was so insecure about my salvation as a child, even as a teenager, even as a young adult, even as a young preacher. Because I discovered that God was misrepresented to me. I was taught that God was this mean bully in the sky with a big old billy club and man he just looked at and whenever I got in line he just he he delighted in whacking me over the head with his billy club that's the god i was taught I was taught the rapture's coming at any moment Jesus is coming at any moment. And man, you better make sure you're a hundred percent sanctified when Jesus comes. Because if you're chewing gum, he's gonna leave you here. I mean, it's almost that bad. How I many grew up in the same church I did? Huh? Amazing. It's just hilarious to me. I've already said it, but it's just, you know, amazing grace was the favorite hymn of the church, but there was no grace. I had to discover grace for myself. Man, when I was a kid, man, I never went to sleep without repenting of all my sins. I just knew Jesus was coming in the middle of the night, you know, in the moment and twinkling light, in the midnight (laughs) hour. I got saved in every revival. I've been saved 742 times. I'm a notch in every evangelist's belt that ever preached in my daddy's pulpit. I got saved in every Sunday night service. Saved at every youth camp, and I'll just be honest with you—I still do a lot of repenting. I'm secure, I'm secure in my salvation I'm sure that my name is written in the Lamb's book of life I am 100% sure I have total confidence Not in me, but in Him yes, amen. I cannot cross every T and dot every I My confidence is not in what I can do to earn my salvation. My confidence is in what God has already done for me through His Son Jesus Christ and what He accomplished on the cross. Amen. By faith are you? By grace are you saved? Through faith. The question I have for you today is: Are you sure? Are you? Sure. Do you have security in your salvation or do you struggle with eternal insecurity? If you're going to be baptized in water this morning, you can be dismissed at this time. Go out this door right here, follow Pastor Chris. Anyone helping him as well? Maybe you didn't come prepared to be baptized, but you want to be baptized today? You can still be baptized. We've got clothes back there for you. Just go back there with them. And, uh, and we'll baptize you today, amen. The takeaway today, the takeaway for the message today is this, our salvation doesn't have to be a guessing game. Aren't you glad of that? That's right. amen. Our salvation doesn't have to be a guessing game. If you place your faith in God's grace for salvation, you can be sure and you can be secure. And I encourage you to look at all five of those things and ask yourself, are these five things evident in my life? Because these five things are proof that we are saved. Father, I thank you for your word today, God, not my Sherman, but your word today. God, I pray if there's anyone in this room this morning they don't know you as Lord and Savior of their life, I pray today will be the day they give you their life, today will be the day when they become children of God as they are saved today, washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. Their names written in the Lamb's book of life. Father, for those that are, that are not sure of their salvation, they have such an insecurity. Maybe it's what they've been taught. Maybe it's just a lie of the enemy, whatever it might be, but they're insecure about their salvation. God, I pray today, God, that a security... Will began to take place in their in their heart and in their life concerning their walk with you.